Welcome to this marketing edition of B2B Nation, part of the Technology Advice Podcast Network. Today, we're having a conversation with Lars Baslom, the Global Chief Creative Officer at The Zoo, Google's creative think tank for brands and agencies. Thanks so much for joining the B2B Nation, Lars. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Well, I just want to hear a little bit more about your background, Lars, and uh, The Zoo as well. What's the What's the story there? Oh, so I, I've spent the last 20 years in, um, in advertising, primarily in digital advertising. I started out uh, making uh, the first banners and, and websites for brands in the mid-90s um, in my native Denmark, where I'm, I'm from, then moved over to the U.S. in the early 2000s to open up AQA in New York. And I sort of jumped around and uh, worked at a, a number of different places, uh, both digital and more traditional advertising agencies. And um Last year, uh, earlier this year, I should say, it's still just December, um, I joined Google uh, to head up uh, the zoo. And the zoo is, we define it as uh, Google's uh, creative think tank for brands and agencies. So we collaborate very closely with um, with partner agencies, you know, all the big agencies out there. We work with most of them, and, uh, most of the biggest brands in the world as well. Uh, lucky to uh, get to hang out and then work with them. And um, essentially what we're trying to do is to showcase fascinating and interesting new ways of using Google Insights and Google Technologies uh, in order to achieve interesting and fun uh, things for brands. Yeah, for sure. And that's so, so neat. And in being an industry expert for that for the past 20 years, how have you sort of seen it change and grow? Obviously, uh, being in the digital space and starting with banner ads is, tr- is truly remarkable. I mean, th- what we can do now from a digital perspective and for ad agency is truly, truly uh, exciting and uh, probably one of the, the most exciting industries right now. But uh, how would you say the industry has sort of transformed from where you started to now, uh, not only from a creative standpoint, but uh, from a deliverable standpoint? Well, you know, we used to say that, that one human year equals seven Internet years, like dog years, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. So that uh, every single year we'd see about seven years worth of change. So if you say that that the sort of the commercial internet um, for brands sort of kicked off in mid '90s, then we have about 20 years uh, times seven. So you know, 140 <laughs> years yeah, of change that's... and evolution uh, crammed into uh, you know the web is is barely out of its teens. Uh, the commercial web. So you know, I think we still just scratch the surface of what's possible and what's doable, and that's what's kept it fascinating for me. Is that you know, every time we think that now it's sort of settling in and this is what's going on and uh, this is how it works, then something will happen. Some technology will come out of nowhere or, you know, some way of thinking will, will start driving different types of solutions. And uh, that's just kept it fascinating. And because this episode is sponsored by the 4A's Partner Awards, I have to ask, uh, Lars, what, what is your favorite partnership uh, of all time? I think the best partnerships are the ones where uh, the sum of the parts are bigger than what the individuals can contribute, right? So uh, when you think about famous partnerships like Lennon-McCartney, you know, or uh, Abbott and Costello, if you go back on Laurel and Hardy, you know, just a combination of two different uh, sort of tastes or flavors, if you will, that together just become something completely unique. And uh, and I think that goes for brand partnerships uh, as well. Um, I was lucky enough to be uh, in, in the room when uh, um, a, a partnership between Nike and Apple that became the first version of Nike Plus was discussed. And just seeing how, you know, two companies who are great on their own could sort of lean on each other in order to achieve something that neither of them could at the point in time have done uh, on their own and create something that then turned into, you know, a complete craze um, and probably the first real branded utility app that uh 
than any brand uh, did ever. Uh, that was really, really fascinating and a great kind of um, example of when a brand partnership is um, is just better than what they can do individually. Was that with RGA, Lars? Uh, I feel like... Yeah, this was even before RGA started working okay. on this. I was oh, at, wow. uh, at a brainstorm meeting up in uh, in Portland with uh, some of my AQTA colleagues back then, um, talking about other things, actually, when, when we were sort of roped into this a thing we're doing uh, up at the moment. Uh, you guys want to spend some thinking around what it could potentially look like uh, when we launch it, et cetera. So that was really fascinating to be a, be a very, 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 very small part of that process. Obviously, a collaboration in partnership is is really important. Do you think that it needs to exist within every ad agency, or is there a sort of specific niche within sort of different agencies that, that can best sort of flourish? Can small agencies benefit from partnerships as much as large agencies? I mean, absolutely. I think the, the challenge this, uh, these days is that the idea of a full-service agency is essentially nonsensical. Mm, yeah. Um, it used to be a much, much smaller number of different outputs that uh, you had as an agency. When I started out, and I started in traditional advertising, you know, it was it was print, it was TV, it was radio, it was outdoor, and that was basically it. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a sort of feasible number of, uh, of outputs. I mean, today, when you look at, at the world of advertising, uh, and communication in general, both digital and uh, more traditional, the number of different things that you'd have to be an expert in in order to service all your clients' needs, I just don't think it's possible for anybody to manage to do that at the highest possible level without partnering. So I think the smart people look around and go, who's really good at X, Y, and Z, and who should we become best buddies with so that we really can uh, you know, at least be sort of the, the, key, the key service arm for all of our clients in that we know who to go to to get the best things produced. And would you say that's sort of the, the biggest trend right now in advertising? Is it this continued specialization uh, of the industry or uh, are there some other big things that you guys are looking at right now at the zoo? I mean, you're definitely seeing the, the specialization, but if you're talking about sort of topics, I, I think the most interesting things we're seeing evolving uh, at the moment is you know stuff like programmatic that no one's really fully mm-hmm. cracked uh, yet. Um, and everybody's trying to find out how does programmatic and creative play nice together. Um, and I think that's hugely exciting because, you know, whenever you kind of enter into new grounds and, and try to find out what's doable in this space, what's possible in this space, uh, you always see people coming up with things that no one had predicted and no one could have foreseen. Um, and, you know, the virgin, the virgin territory to play around is always super fun for creative people. So, Sure, it uh, it may be perceived by, uh, by some as challenging because, you know, it is problematic. Um, yeah. But I've, I've already seen stuff that, like, we did some stuff with our uh, art copy and code division with Nike last year around uh, real, real-time um, real time celebrations of football teams hmm. where small gifts were created the second something happened on the field. So everything was kind of, you know, done automatically, but it was done based on real-time input. Um, I saw an... I think it was an, an agency in uh, in Latin America who did you know a thousand versions of Romeo and Juliet for acts, huh. um, based on your your input uh, about yourself. It was on the fly put together your version of Romeo and Juliet. So people are starting to do interesting things. But it's it's really early days uh, with programmatic. So I'm just watching it and kind of waiting for you know the Orswells uh, of programmatic to show up, yeah. if you will. Um, I think the other thing that, that, that has been very intrigued is the whole um, augmented reality and virtual reality space. Mm-hmm. You know, we're doing a lot of interesting things ourselves with, uh, with Cardboard 
and um, I'm sure we'll be seeing more interesting cardboard things in 2016. But the whole field is just fascinating to me because, again, you know, I remember the first time around when uh, when everybody was talking about virtual reality in the sort of mid late 90s, but the technology was simply not there to support it yeah. as, a, as a consumer uh, product. But now we're getting to a point where the technology is there, the bandwidth is there. Now, how do we use that in a branded context? Again, it's a, it's a whole new medium in many ways, and we can kind of invent it as we go along. Is it going to be good for storytelling? Who knows? Uh, no one's really done anything in that space that kind of blows my mind at least yet. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be great for gaming. I'm sure it's going to be great for exploring places you can't go to, et cetera, et cetera. But what else is it going to be good for in terms of branded content? I don't know. Um, We'll, we'll, we'll have to, you know, do the baby steps and kind of figure it out together. I actually experienced something pretty similar to, to Branded uh, with respect to Cardboard. I I think it was the New York Times app has a GE sort of story. It's about a, I think it's like a minute and a half long um, with their, their virtual reality app where it's essentially a, a 90 second ad for GE, but you're sort of immersed in this experience where you're in the trees and then you're, you're in the ocean and it's a really, really cool experience. And that was sort of my first experience with uh, virtual reality, but w- w- what sort of challenges do you think uh, that presents? I mean, is it trying to find ways in which we can continue to build these experiences and tell these stories in, in a unique way, or is it more the adoption side and just waiting for folks to sort of catch on? It's a little bit of both. You know, okay. I mean, we sent cardboard out to all of the New York Times subscribers about a month ago. Mm-hmm. So you basically received that with your Sunday edition of the New York Times which means that you know 1.5 million cardboards were were sent out to uh, to people across the, uh, the U.S. So you know, and cardboard is kind of the simplest version of virtual reality. It's it's inexpensive, and all it requires is you to plug your phone to it. Um, but you know, there's also way more uh, technologically advanced solutions out now, and uh, you know, uh, up and coming. Um, and I think, of course, you need to have access to to the hardware in order to be able to do this uh, first and first and foremost. It was like not everybody had personal computers, right? So yeah. the internet adoption sort of coincided with the adoption of personal computers and then totally exploded once uh, mobile uh, came into the picture. Um, so you're still going to be creating this for a relatively limited number of people until the adoption of the hardware becomes more widespread. But I think now's now's when we have to create the things that pe- make people want the hardware. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. uh, you're not going to see people go out and invest whatever uh, dollar amount uh, it's going to be until there's the content there. It's always a chicken and the egg situation, right? Yeah, for um, sure. So, so I, I think it's kind of we 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 as 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 advertisers and as uh, brand thinkers have to figure out smart and interesting ways of using the technology and then uh, hopefully you know entertainment content and gaming content as well will drive the adoption of the hardware I'm assuming from Google's perspective too I mean you guys sort of have a unique opportunity where you can drive not only sort of the technological aspect in the hardware but you also uh, obviously with the zoo have the creative aspect as well to sort of leverage that partnership and really uh, make something like virtual reality such a big thing like a lot of people are sort of predicting it to be right no, exactly. I mean, we're, we're, we're in an interesting position here with, with both being technologists and content creators. And uh, I'm, I'm sure that uh, um, I don't say too much when, when I say that, that we are definitely working on both those <laughs> tracks. 
Yeah, for sure. And uh, a couple more questions here, Lars. I hope that's okay. Will reaching consumers, you think, is that going to get easier or harder in the next you know, five years or so as they become more and more bombarded with messages? Um, obviously, we've heard it uh, from both an advertising and a marketing perspective. They're going to be harder to reach. Um, but then again, you also have these different uh, ways and different technologies in which you can interact with them. Obviously, virtual reality is an example. Um, so what do you think? Is it going to get easier or harder to sort of interact with these folks in the near future? I mean, I think the, the better we get at targeting and the better we get at putting the right message in front of the right consumer, mm-hmm. um, the, the more acceptable and the more and the easier it's going to be for us to get you know, to the right consumer. I think that's, that's the big challenge here is, you know, the, the traditional mass marketing model of one message covering pretty much everybody is, um, is, is, is challenging in, uh, in this uh, landscape. So I think we have to figure out what, what we can do in order to better target. And, um, you know, there's very smart people working on stuff like that uh, everywhere because <laughs> everybody knows that the right ad put in front of the right person is so infinitely much more valuable then, you know, the broadside you fire into the ether and hope that somebody's actually watching it. Gotcha. So I think that that's a technology question to a large extent. It's, it's, again, comes back to what I was saying about programmatic. It's about figuring out how you can tailor make different messages on the fly to different individuals. And, um, and once, once we get there, I think at least it may not be easier to do mass communications, but individualized mass communications, if you will. And uh, to wrap up the conversation here, Lars, um, I want to circle back to the Partner Awards. What does it mean for you to sort of be a part of this jury? What is it like working with those folks? Is it hard? Is it easy? Uh, I just want to hear a little bit uh, about that experience. Well, what I'm excited about is, you know, seeing partnerships that that I didn't expect. Uh, You know, great collaborations that, again, have become more than some of of its part, as I mentioned with the the Apple Nike example. Uh You know, so, so I'm really looking forward to seeing that kind of duh moment where, where I'm sitting there going, but of course it makes so much sense for these guys to collaborate. And, you know, what they did together really utilized the best of both uh, companies. So um, that's what excites me about this. And uh, final question here. You, I would assume, worked on the, the White House collaboration with Google, right, with the lighting of the trees? Uh, I did and the not code. actually, know. You did not, okay. Because um, I saw that case study, and oh my God, that was such a cool, I got chills from watching that. I, that that to me just seems like it, exactly like you just explained, sort of such a common sense partnership, and it was such a cool use of, of collaboration and of two things coming together to really ultimately impact people in a such a positive and exciting way. And then, you know, that that's what you're looking for in a, in a partnership. You're looking for the response from the recipient, you know, the consumer uh, at the end of the uh, end of the, the process to kind of go, wow, why didn't they do this together before? Because it makes everything better. Absolutely. Well, uh, thank you again, Lars, for joining me today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. To find out more about P2P Nation, check out our website, technologyadvice.com backslash podcast, or please rate us and subscribe on iTunes. Thanks for listening.